Amen. Hey, um, this morning we get the privilege of hearing from a dear friend of mine to give the sermon today. Um, Doug McClintock, uh, they're sitting right in front, as most preachers do. Um, they're going to give the sermon today. I just want to say a, a thing about Doug and his wife. Um, so it was probably, oh man, th- like 12 or 13 years ago um, that I met them. And this was uh, even before I got involved with Harbor Churches, uh, but I was just this um, young guy who came to love uh, my community called Wyoming. And Doug uh, introduced me through a church plant internship. I didn't even know what church planting was. I had no idea. I always thought churches just existed for all of time. Um, But they don't. People have to have a passion for a place and a call from God to do it. And then they go and then they start new churches. And so Doug is responsible um, for sparking my imagination for what church planting is. And so I really believe, and God can do anything he wants, right? But um, I don't see there being a Wyoming Harbor without this man and without certainly Diane um, because uh, he introduced me to what church planting is and then in so many ways uh, trained me to be ready, um, even though sometimes I'm like a loose cannon up here, um, sometimes to be ready for the call that God put on my life, um, then to walk alongside of you to be a church that's about being good news and reflecting the diversity of the community and loving people right where they're at. And so Doug is going to share a word with us this morning. Um, he and his wife, Diane, have since uh, doing so many different uh, church planning movements in the U.S., have moved to Europe, uh, living in Hungary, helping with church planting all over uh, the European continent. So um, super humble, super funny guy, but also a super powerful force for the kingdom uh, globally. So I'm um, excited for you to hear about the work that they're doing. Um, they're also mission partners with us, with Harbor Churches, so we support uh, their ministry as they go. And today, Doug and Diane are here, and Doug's going to share the word with us. So will you welcome uh, Doug to the stage as he shares the good news with us? How'd I do? Well, I'm crying. You're, I'm, you're, you're crying. I'm not crying. My goodness. Um, Yonapot Kivonok, Wyoming Ben Harbor Gulikhaizik, Aldash. So I'm going to speak in Hungarian. No, no. Uh, what I just said is, um, uh, I wish you a very good day, Wyoming Harbor Church. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's so exciting to be here. This, um, this, I just, this brings back a lot of memories for me. Uh, and there's just a couple of key memories. Let me just share those uh, quickly. One is, uh, I was sitting when I was, the, I was the pastor of the original Harbor Church, uh, one of the pastors, uh, and it was my job to help get this kind of stuff started, right? And Randy Weiner, Chris, um, what's the guy's name? Um, no, no, uh, from GVSU. He used to be at GVSU. Chris, he has a last name, I think. that Chris guy, 
and, uh, and uh, Tom Ellenboss, we sat in a little CV, you, you know, like one of these mini SUVs that isn't really big enough for anybody, right? You know, we sat in this in the Rogers parking lot, the Rogers Center parking lot in the middle of winter. It was like November, December. And we had a little prayer meeting. It was probably about a half hour long, just praying for Wyoming and praying for a church planting movement in Wyoming and praying for legacy churches like the Beverly Church and like other churches that have, you know, uh, realized that, you know, they need to, they needed to help out a next generation kind of work in Wyoming and, and, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people were praying this as well. It wasn't just us, but that moment just came into my memory, right? Like God does answer our prayers when we call out to him uh, for the harvest, right? He answers our prayers when we have our hearts broken for a community. So it's just cool. And then I think another memory is just... um, uh, playing pool with the two of you when you first moved to Wyoming and we're like, so what's up with moving to Wyoming? And it's like, well, we're going to play in a church. And I was like, oh, well, I'm like the director of church planting and I didn't know that, right? <laughs> and, uh, and I said, well, good. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, um, and, and here we are, right? And uh, uh, that's so cool. So, such good memories. And... Uh, uh, you know, as, as Jordan said, um, the, uh, you, you are supporting us through your gifts. Uh, Harbor Churches uh, provides our project uh, with about 20% of our support, um, at, really. And, uh, you know, Harbor Churches uh, has probably helped out with uh, all of the churches that we have helped to plant in Hungary have been helped by you, right? Um, directly. Many people have been to Hungary with us from Harbor Churches, and we'll talk about some more opportunities later. Uh, but we just, we literally could not do this without you. And so there's a lot of pressure for me today to not completely stink, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're, they're watching me, right, at the Harbor Church. No, but thank you, thank you, thank you a million times for all of your uh, support for what we do. Diane and I manage what we call the Euro Partnership, and uh, um, our, uh, our, our mission statement is literally three words, renew, plant, together, Right? And what we do is we bring people together uh, from the global church, from the North American church, from the Middle East, from other churches throughout the globe, with the European church, which is up against the ropes, right? It was where most of our churches came from, right? Uh, but, but now in serious decline, and we help church planters begin communities like this, uh, often in places that nobody really wants to uh, to start a church in, right? Um, and we'll tell you some stories about that. 
so with that, um, I'm going to preach, okay? But I wanted to just start there with a big thank you uh, and uh, appreciate your prayers, your support. Uh, if, you want, if, if you want to get our newsletter that gives prayer updates and all that kind of stuff, you just go to europartnership.org, europartnership.org, and that is, um, that'll, that'll, you can click subscribe to our newsletter, you can do all kinds of things on there, you know, um, and, uh, and you, can, uh, you, you can connect with us that way. So as we uh, turn to God's word uh, today, um, uh, we're, we're in this series as, as uh, Harbor Churches, uh, where things are kind of uh, turned around, right? Uh, uh, we're beginning to look at the beginning of Jesus' life uh, in the church calendar, but uh, our, our meditation on that uh, begins at the ending of Jesus' life. Uh, on, you know, and, uh, and so here we are at the, the betrayal and arrest of Jesus, uh, Matthew 26, 47 uh, through 56. So um, let's look at God's word together. Would you listen as I read it? It's echoing. It's echoing. Hey, it's echoing. That's how we do it here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, while Jesus was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, greetings, rabbi. And he kissed him. And Jesus' friend said, friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that this must be so? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Would you pray with me? Lord, we pray a blessing on your word this morning. We pray uh, that you would take this word, which is already spoken to us, the word inspired by the Holy Spirit, And that you would use my spirit, use our spirits uh, to to speak your word, the word that you have for each and every one of us today. 
And Lord, we pray that you'd take the feeble preparations of, of a sinner saved only by grace and help them uh, to make us more and more like you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, th- this, is, this is a weird scene. It's a chaotic scene, isn't it? Right? There's just all kinds of stuff going on. There's betrayal, there's a mob, there's chaos, there's violence in the air. Jesus had just gotten up from praying to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Garden of, uh, of the Olive Press, right? And, uh, and he'd gotten up and said, you know, could, could we not do it this way, Lord, right? Could we do this in another way? Is there another solution to this problem of the power of sin and the power of death and the power uh, uh, that, that, that rules this, this world, this power of rebellion. Is there another way? And he must have gotten back from the Father, no, there's no other way. And he said, not my will, but your will be done. And he's looking out over the Kidron Valley, and some of you have been uh, to the Kidron Valley. I've been there. Uh, I went uh, on, a, on one of these uh, fancy-schmancy trips to to Israel, where you kind of go and see all this stuff, and it was great, except for the hiking. You don't need the hiking, right? Go get them to organize one that doesn't have the hiking, and then you can go to more places. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Apologies to Ray Vanderlaan, right? But anyway, um, uh, you look out over this, and it's not, it's, it, it's, it's like going out into the woods here, and there's just a little creek. And, uh, you know, you look off to the other side of the, the hollow, uh, the other side of that, the little dip, right? And that's Jerusalem is right there. I mean, it's not very, it's not, it's not a long way. So he could literally see people with their torches and their clubs and their swords coming at him as he was saying, not my will but your will be done. And then this scene of chaos, this, this betrayal, uh, this, this, this tragedy, this injustice, this violence, this self-serving agenda of the very powerful begins to unfold in front of us. Of any person, you would not expect that the person... Uh, that the Bible says was healing everyone who came to him, right, (laughs) would be run into a kangaroo court the next day and then crucified like he was a murderer. That's the deal. And, and, And this tragedy serves in some way to advance the message and, and, and the mission of Jesus. He says, I, I, I have to do this. It's so that the scriptures can be fulfilled. It's what I came to do. It's the essence of Advent that I end up here in Passion Week. 
Now we live in this kind of a world, don't we? It's chaotic. How many of you struggle with knowing what is actually true? Right? There's a lot of spin going on, and the spin in Jerusalem was no different. It just traveled in a different way. It's unjust. It's filled with violence. Every day, it seems like we're confronted with another act of terrible, random, senseless violence with mobs confronting one another. And the way forward in all of this is not electing the right people. Although it's okay to elect the right people. It's okay to, to look at people's character and, and when you go to the ballot box, and you should. But, but it's not that, ultimately. It's not by passing the right programs. It's not by doing the right kinds of social things, although those are very, very important. Uh, and they're all part of this. The way forward is through joining Jesus in his mission, which includes all of that, but goes beyond all of that to the very core of what is wrong in us and in the world. That's why I think church planting is a, is a social justice issue, right? We all, you know, for, for many years, we only planted churches where there were very wealthy people in the United States. And I'm, I'm, I'm for that. Wealthy people, the Bible says, need Jesus because it's really hard for them to enter the kingdom of God, right? But it's part of justice to plant in countries that have been forgotten, in neighborhoods that have been forgotten in places that have been abandoned. Because it's not just starting a church for a religious purpose, it's starting a mission. That's what I love about uh, the fact that you're blessing your pastor to, to, to pursue this directorship. He's literally a missionary pastor, right? Not just the pastor of your campus, not just here for you, but here for the community. Does that make sense? I was in a church in, uh, in uh, Turkey, eastern Turkey, right on the Iranian border uh, a few, uh, well, what, two months ago now? Three months ago? And I picked up a nice case of dysentery there. That was nice. But um, other than that, um, there was this group of about 60 or 70 people, all converts from Islam, and they had a pastor, but they had three other staff people. And those three other staff people were all evangelists who spent 40, 50, 60 hours a week meeting with Muslims, telling them about Jesus. About 25% of those people had had a vision from Jesus telling them to contact these guys to find out about me. Right? Isn't that amazing? 
And, and, and so, you know, their, their paradigm is turned upside down. We have more pastors for us. They have more pastors for the unbelievers, right? And I think that's something that, that, that could challenge us. But, but I want to get to my outline because, you know, I'm a preacher. So, and, we, and, and we have a children's ministry that needs to be let out at a certain time, right? What time do they need to be let out? Oh, I'm good. So I want to talk about three things about Jesus' mission that come out of this passage. One is his nonviolent mission. Number two is his voluntary mission. And three is his victorious mission. And I want to talk about those three things and tell you a little bit about how, how our mission intersects with that. Because basically, we don't... I remember I was in a meeting. I think Jordan was there. And uh, uh, Scott Pontier was there. And uh, 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 one, one person in the meeting says, Doug, what is your job after this meeting? And, and Scott says, well, you know, Doug, he doesn't actually do things. Right? And it's kind of true. You know, people ask me, what do I do? And I said, uh, it's hard to tell. Mostly what I do is watch God do things. Mostly what a missionary does is hangs around and watches God at work. And uh, it's a fun job if you can get it. And thank you for paying me to do it. I appreciate it. Um, Don't cut off that support because I just said I don't do any work. All right. So nonviolence. Let's start with there. It's a nonviolent mission. It's not by might, the Bible says in Zechariah, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Jesus' mission is not a mission to be pursued by force or manipulation. Forced conversions have never been right or valuable. Manipulated conversions have never been valuable for the kingdom of God to grow. There are whole places in the world where they call people rice Christians because I'll give you some rice in exchange for your conversion and your baptism, right? I'm sad to say that that's true. Now we would have, you know, uh, color TV uh, conversions, right? Some of the some of the prominent people that you may have seen on TV, you know, say we had 10,000 people in this city and whatever, and they just gave everybody a TV, right? That's, that's how they did it, right? So it's not force. It's not manipulation. It's not by might. It's not by power. Right now, we are locked in a conflict in Eastern Europe. We live 35 miles from the border of Ukraine, Diane and I do, in Debrecen, Hungary. And so we're quite aware of this. I'll tell you a little bit more about that. But we're locked in a conflict in Eastern Europe in which Christian leaders are claiming that it is the duty of the church bound up with the secular state to force people into loyalty to the church. That's one of the narratives that's going on about this 
current war is that it is the duty of the Russian Orthodox to subsume the Ukrainian Orthodox so that they will have the right kind of orthodoxy. That seems messed up to us. But is it that different than what some of our leaders are saying? I'll just leave that. We we can talk about that. If that gets you worked up, you can buy me a cup of coffee and, and... Or I'll buy you a cup of coffee and we can argue about it and we'll love each other and hug later. But I want to say this kind of thinking is to be rejected and condemned by all people of goodwill and especially those that claim Jesus as Lord. Put away your sword, Jesus says. Could he say it without any varnish? He did. Put away your sword. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. If you're going to pursue the kingdom of God by violent means, you're going to die on that sword. Now, our work uh, through Global Mission in Debrecen and throughout Europe, I think, is a repudiation of violence in favor of those who have compassion. In favor of compassion for those who have fled Ukraine for their very lives. And I want to show you a couple of pictures. So you may have, I know that you did, because Harbor Churches supported our crisis fund uh, for Europe. And this fellow here is named Abel Kish. And uh, um, it's actually spelled K-I-S-S, because that's how you spell Kish. And uh, he's an elder at, the, uh, at the church, one of the churches that we, that we planted, uh, pastored by Daniel Pusky. Um, uh, and he is also the head of Dorcas International, which is, a, which is a, a relief agency, a community development agency. They use the ABC method of community development, asset-based community development. And, uh, and he is dedicating this sort of pavilion here that was provided 100% by gifts that you gave uh, to the refugee camp just outside of the city that we live in, in Debrinson. And at this meeting, we baptized eight new believers. It was an amazing thing. This is where they have church. This is where they have community gatherings. This is where they can get together without getting uh, the elements all over them. Here's another uh, picture. We've also provided uh, a number of these FEMA-type houses, these heated houses, uh, for refugee families. This, we, we refurbished like a camp that was uh, going to be sold, a church camp that was about to be sold, and, and nobody could find a buyer for it. And so when the war broke out, Dorcas took this camp over and we've been refurbishing it. And, and, and one of the things was many of the, many of the, 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 the places that people were living uh, didn't have insulation or heat. And so we've provided a number of these. I think there's another picture of uh, the, the rows of these that, that we've helped to set up there uh, to help uh, Ukrainian refugees, many of them from the trans- um, Carpathian region of Ukraine 
Many of them, some of them from uh, as far away as Kiev uh, are, are here. About 200 people are here just outside our city. Almost 100% of the families have at least one job that's been provided by a Christian business uh, in, 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 in Debrecen. Uh, yeah, so um, it's just a miracle of compassion fighting against the darkness, fighting against violence. Here's the, another picture. These two young ladies, Diane and I, met on a train uh, going from Germany to Appledorn. They had, they had come from uh, the, uh, the Kurzan region, right? Uh, so they had been on a train for like nine days, uh, when we met them, and this was the end of their uh, Appledorn uh, in the Netherlands, which is, we have a church plant there, we were going to visit that, um, and so we were able to connect them with that church, and through your generosity, we are able to get them bicycles, which is the car of the Netherlands, right, you know, many, many people don't have cars in the Netherlands, uh, which is good, because they're not great drivers, um, but they all, have, uh, they all have one or two bicycles. And so we were able to get these bicycles for them, Masha and Ina. And uh, they, have, they have some jobs. Um, we've been able to visit them a few times. Um, they're just so grateful. Um, they left their, all of their brothers and their, all the men back in Ukraine who've been now conscripted. And so, you know... There's a lot going on in their lives, and uh, helping them, uh, I think, is, it, it, it's just a statement that says, you know what, this is not by might, this is not by power, this is not by the sword that we're going to win the battle with the powers of darkness. And that's not a political statement, it's a theological statement, because any one of us as a political entity could get swept up by the powers of darkness. So the second point I want to make is that Jesus' mission is a voluntary mission. Jesus says, I laid down my life for you. He says, I am the good shepherd in John chapter 9, or John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for for the sheep. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. So Jesus did this. He went to the cross. This this whole Gethsemane incident shows his willingness not only to do the father's will, his willingness to be arrested, his willingness to go to the cross for us. And as believers, we are urged to voluntary action, right? No one should ever tell you that your Christianity is less than someone else's because you're not doing good things you're not doing as much as the other person. You should, I mean, you know, volunteerism is a part of Christianity, but it's not the 
it, it, it doesn't get you into Christianity, right? We're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. We're saved to follow this example of, of, of voluntary service. And so like when we're recruiting people and when we're volunteering and all that, just a heart check, am, am I doing this wholeheartedly? If I can't do it wholeheartedly, don't do it. And don't pummel somebody into doing something that they don't want to do because they're getting nothing out of it. It's contributing nothing other than guilt and shame, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's not how we want to operate as, as volunteers for the kingdom. It has to be truly voluntary. Now, you know, sometimes things just need to be done and you got to do them, but that's a voluntary uh, impulse to see that and do that and to fulfill that, 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 that job, right? So I'm not saying you should only do jobs that you absolutely love, that give you complete fulfillment and all. That's not the message. A lot of times we have to do jobs we don't like, but it's our heart of volunteerism, it's our heart that can do difficult things if we're giving it out of who we are rather than out of obligation. If that makes sense. And so I want to I want to I want to introduce some volunteers to you. People that have volunteered for the mission of church planting, and this is Daniel Pushki. He's the he's the uh, leader of our the congregation that we worship in. We sort of worship in uh, because it's in Hungarian. It's called the Uretai Reformatus Gulekaiset, right? Uh, so everybody say that. No, no. Uh, what we like to call it is the Lord's Meadow Church, right? And uh, Daniel is kind of the, the, the guy that roped us all into Hungarian church planting, right? And, uh, and helped us as Harbor Churches to get... Uh, you know, to some of that international church planting, which, you know, now I guess it's like 400 churches we've been involved with all over the world. Yeah. Um, so Daniel, uh, his co-conspirator in the university church, Gergo Kovac, um, in, in Debrecen, where we are. Uh, some, you may have met some of these people. Let's, let's go on to the next one. Here is Gabor. I was telling... Uh, uh, Noah's brother and um, your son. We never got in, we never got introduced. So I, I'm just call you Noah's fa- mother, right? But uh, I was t- saying to Gabriel, his name would be Gabor in uh, in, in Hungary. Uh, so this is Gabe, and he is starting a church in uh, in Seged, which is a, a town about three hours from where we live uh, and uh, one, of the, one of the church plants that we're working on. His associate pastor is the next guy, uh, Peter, and he's working with the university uh, students in Seged. Let's go on. This guy is Nigel Craig and uh, he is a university pastor in Belfast at Queens College and Union College. And uh, 
uh, a recent associate of ours. He also speaks fluent Hungarian as well as Irish, right? And uh, he's standing here on uh, the side of St. Patrick's grave, giving us a little uh, orientation to St. Patrick. Yeah. Um, let's go on. Uh, this is Gretchen. She's the pastor in Hanover, Germany, of Relish Congregation that we support. Um, there's my head. Uh, this is Christian. Uh, Christian is in Appledorn in the Netherlands. Uh, literally uh, across the ISIL from over ISIL. Uh, has anybody ever heard of over ISIL, Michigan? Uh, it's a little town south of here. Uh, we call it a speed trap town, right? You know, in Allegan County. Uh, but uh, the, it's the ISIL River. They're just on the banks of that. And Christian uh, has restarted a church that has really become a, a, a vital uh, ministry. And he's also a student at Western Seminary uh, online. Um, this is Rick. And uh, I'm not going to give you his last name uh, for security reasons. He's working with Muslims uh, in uh, Rotterdam uh, in the Netherlands. Many, many, uh, many, many people uh, have left Turkey and have gone to Germany and the Netherlands. And uh, there's a huge group of them in, uh, in Rotterdam. Rick and his family were actually kicked out of Turkey uh, because uh, uh, they were preaching the gospel. And, uh, and so they ended up in, 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 they're working on a diaspora church there in, in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. And then this is Ivelazio and his translator David. And he is from Braga, Portugal. Um, and um, Ivelazio doesn't know uh, hardly any English. And so every time he sees us, he says, Dog, hallelujah. <laughs> and uh, Ivelazio is from Manaus in, uh, in uh, Brazil, uh, where they also speak Portuguese, but he's, uh, he started this new church in Braga, Portugal, in the northern part of Portugal. So that gives, gives you a little scope of some of the, the people that we connect with and that we're working with and supporting. And you can move on. Okay. This brings us, this is Jesus in victory uh, from the Seged Cathedral. Jesus' mission is victorious. It's not victorious. It doesn't look victorious now. I mean, we've got a lot of stuff going on. But Jesus referred to the power and majesty he was laying down when he said, I could call, you know, 12 legions of angels. He, he, he's always been victorious. But he didn't make that appeal. He didn't ask those angels to stop what was about to happen. But what did he do? He won the victory through his defeat on the cross. He tricked the powers of the devil, the powers of sin, the powers of death. He won victory over the power of sin by becoming sin for us 
The one who knew, knew no sin became sin for us, took our sins on him so that they could be crucified on the cross and remembered no more. He broke, literally broke, the power that sin has over our lives. He won victory over the power of death by submitting to the sting of death, to the harrowing of hell, to free us forever from death. See, the powers of death said, oh, now we've got him. We can take him down. But in his death, death started to work backwards. It started to work against itself. It started to, it started to change so that, so that in the resurrection of Jesus and in his coming again, death is swallowed up in victory. Jesus is victorious over even the power of death, physical, spiritual death that hangs over our world like a terrible, terrible force. He won victory over the powers of darkness and fear and violence and hatred by rising from the dead, by unleashing his marvelous light and his victorious love. I can't think of a better way to, 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 to put a pin in what I've reported and said and preached today. Jesus stands in victory. What I love about this image is Jesus is not on the cross. He is beyond the cross. He went to the cross for us. He's coming back for us. That's what this season is all about. It's that, it's that, it's that tension of the already and not yet. Death is gone, but we have to fight death. Sin is gone, but we have to fight sin. Violence is gone, but we have to fight violence. Poverty is gone, but we have to fight poverty. And as we do that, we're, we're caught up in his mission. That's what I pray for Wyoming Harbor Church. Is that you will just be caught up. Maybe even to the point of being reckless about it. You'll be caught up in that mission. You'll think, man, you know, this would be nice for us to have because, you know, this is, a, you know, we've got some things that are uncomfortable in our church. But what we're going to do is not do that. We're going to do the thing that reaches people that don't know the Savior yet, that don't know the victory yet. Death is swallowed up in victory because... We sit between the two advents, the coming of Jesus for us and the coming again for us. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that we can be together today. We could worship you as worthy. Oh, it's so blessed to talk about your coming, to adore you, to adore your worthiness, to 
lift up the name of mighty counselor. To lift up the name of everlasting father. Mighty God, prince of peace, Emmanuel. And so Lord, we come to you. We ask that you'd keep us from violence. That you'd keep our motives valiant as we volunteer. And that you'd help us to trust even today in your ultimate victory. We pray in Jesus' name.